Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 171st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, wait a worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it! The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys today. The day after Carolina drops its third consecutive game as they fell last night in their final ACC Big Ten Challenge contest ever on the road at Indiana they fell 77 265 to give Carolina its first three-game losing streak since the 2019-2020 season and and while I don't think this season is going to go as south as that season would go as Carolina would go 14 and 19 uh, had COVID not uh became a thing they would have missed the NCAA tournament it's very evident that through eight games uh, this Carolina team they're they're definitely working through some things and that was very evident last night as they they just got overwhelmed by an Indiana team that played with a lot of emotion um you know assembly hall was one of had had one of its better environments in the last decade or so bob knight spoke to that team the night before uh so that that really you know added something to that team going into that game but but carolina was just overwhelmed with the ball pressure Um, they were running their offense 35 40 feet away from the basket defensively they didn't have a whole lot uh either as they just they didn't compete as hard on that end of the floor as they needed to to give themselves a chance to win the game and they it, it was turnovers that, that that showed up. It wasn't the amount, but it was the type of turnovers. You know, I I think I knew the game was over. Uh, Carolina had the ball down fifty nine to fifty two, with a chance to make it as little as a four point game, uh, with roughly six minutes or so left to go. So still plenty of time. Um, R J Davis goes to make an entry pass. That ball gets stolen away. Indiana goes down for a layup. And then less than 30 seconds after that, Carolina was down double digits. And all, for all intents and purposes, the game was over. And, you know, it, we weren't surprised that Carolina got beat. Both of us 
picked Carolina to to get beat. And I don't think we're surprised that Carolina didn't get right and, and they didn't get they didn't show any different uh show any more signs of life because going into that it was just a really hard situation to expect Carolina to go in there and get right. Uh, on the road, this team's now been away from home for now well over a week uh, in a hostile environment against a team that was you know, for, being ranked inside the top ten for the first time in six years. They were motivated to prove why they do belong, and Indiana did just that. But nonetheless, um, you know, we knew this season was going to be a journey. It was going to have its highs. It was going to have its lows, but a Three-game losing streak in November. Nobody saw that coming uh, all, all, all offseason, let alone when the season got underway. Well, that's the thing. And ultimately, I mean, how much can you really how, many, how much can you really look at last night and say we 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 should have come away with a victory? Like we that was one we probably we circled in the preseason and said, I don't know if they go in there and win that one because they've struggled historically there. This year's team is pretty good, and I, I mean, I, I don't know about what what everybody else saw. I saw a pretty good Indiana team last night. I mean, I know coming into the game they hadn't really played anybody outside of Xavier. That was a team, as you mentioned, had some extra motivation. They pulled out all the stops. I mean, for them to bring out Bob Knight, I guess that means it must be big. I mean, Dan Dockage was acting like they were playing a damn national championship game. So. Yeah, it was a team that was just extremely motivated, and it's a Tar Heel team that, I, look, I wasn't shocked by anything that I saw last night. Um, I think it just continues to show that Carolina is, I mean, there are, there are just a few things this team could tweak, and they could be winning every one of these games. But the thing that just, just completely baffled me again I mean, you could argue they were even worse offensively in this game than they were against Alabama. I, I, I mean, this team ran absolutely nothing. Well, they couldn't of substance on the offensive end. I mean, they could. They, there were times where they could have attempted to, but they had nothing. And it it started from the word go. Armando Baycott, when he, I, I the one of the worst shots I've ever seen him take as a Tar Heel. It, in in his four years, when he shot that ball off the bottom of the basket, I think it was the second possession of the game. I knew right then and there that this is this is going to be a long night. Well, I mean, I I think the first thing you got to do is you you got to credit Indiana their their ability to extend their defense well beyond the three point line. Even fouling. They committed 21 fouls last night, but stay committed to that. I haven't seen a team in November defend that well on the perimeter at the Power 5 level in a very long time. And so Mike Woodson and his staff had his kids ready to play. I thought oh, yeah. Ar- I thought Armando Baycott, that dude may have been 4-10 from, from the floor. This dude clearly isn't healthy. No. He, he, he's going through some things right now. He picked now. up a shoulder within the first couple of minutes of the game, too, to add to the foot problem. And he was still Carolina's oh. toughest player on the court last night. And so we're not going to sit here and, and get mad at the things he did or didn't do because if they all would have fought the way he fought, Carolina would have had a much better chance 
to win the game. Uh, the, the biggest issue with this team right now is their guard play. And Caleb Love and R.J. Davis combined for 24 points on 9 of 27 shooting. They were 3-9 and nine from deep. So, I mean, they're just all across the board, a combined 33%, whether it's from the field or from behind the three-point line. They may have also had 33 turnovers combined. And well. and, and I, I think, and I, I said this to a couple guys today when talking about the game, my frustrations aren't with R.J. Davis. They don't, they don't live there. He may have been 4 for 11. I don't think he took a shot that was ultimately not a good shot. He's just simply not making anything. And he still has that confidence in him to still shoot it because that's the only way you, you're going to come out of it. Caleb loves decision-making, which was something we heard him stress all summer long and his head coach, Hubert Davis, stress all summer long. Has not improved. Um, he was just five of sixteen from the from, from the field last night. He missed five layups individually, five. Um, just two of seven from behind the three point line, um, and, and it's it's just really frustrating because Carolina's formula last year when things were going well was Armando Baycott or, or R.J. Davis would run the offense. He would initiate the initial action, and Caleb Love was the secondary was the secondary guard. But the, but the ball and the offense would get back into his hands, and he would be the one to go make plays. And for some reason, that's just, that's just not happening. A lot of it is the fact that Carolina right now is playing offense four on five, and sometimes five on five. Pete Nance had a spurt last night where he scored 12 straight points. He scored three points outside of that the rest of the game. Um, but when Carolina's offense really came together last last season, you had you were still basically playing four on five because Leaky Black just isn't a scorer. But his involvement as a screener was something that was really important in, in getting Carolina good looks at, at 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 the rim. And right now, that's just that's just not happening. And it's it's frustrating because I think that's where my frustration has come in through eight games. I don't think this team doesn't care. My that was my problem last year was I thought they didn't care when they played bad. Now what's visible? This team cares because you can see the the looks on their faces. They're dejected. They're frustrated. Uh, Marj Davis after a, a basket being given up slammed the ball down on the court before inbounding it. So it's not that they don't care. It's from a lack of execution. They're not executing anything. Mm -hmm. And that was something Jay Billis really pointed out last night in the broadcast. And uh, the good news is, is that that's fixable. What what wasn't fixable last year, like where we, what we didn't think was fixable was the care factor. Can't make kids care. But you can fix execution. With the way that you do, you know, with, with the way you you run your offense, and so, um, you know, this this team is is going through some things right now on that end of the court, and I think it just continues to prove just how important Brady Manic was to what how everything went together last year. We got so caught up in the guard play of R.J. Davis, mm -hmm. the guard play of Caleb Love, the things Armando Baycott did on the glass. But you're talking about a guy who averaged 18 points per game from January 20th on last season. You're having to replace that. And kind of like this time last year where Dawson Garcia was that other guy starting with a long, alongside Armando Baycott, he didn't look comfortable. 
Pete Nance doesn't look comfortable, and that's why this offense right now is just all out of sorts, all out of rhythm, and that's why the biggest reason they've lost three straight. Well, and the other problem is you don't have Brady Manick on this roster. That's the scary thing. And, I mean, look, I, I'm I'm still not panicking with this team, but if, if, if Pete Nance is Dawson Garcia, then, I, I mean, we're in trouble because, on the offensive end. Because there are going to be times, you're right, even when Puff's on the floor, they do not give him anything offensively. Him and Leakey are pretty much just guys that are standing there. And I don't get it. You you have to start utilizing these dudes. I'm not saying run offense through them, but if they, if you have to create open looks for them to, to, to help you out, you got to do it. Because you cannot be that shorthanded on the offensive end of the floor right now, especially with Armando Baycott banged up. Because, I mean, at this point, I mean, you're basically, there were times last night they were pretty much playing two on five. And that, that, just, that just is not going to work, even remotely. You saw a team last night that, look, they are, they have a chance to be elite defensively. The amount of space, the, the the times where they would have guys that would help on doubles and the amount of space that their guys could cover as quickly as they could was unreal. That That's how you are supposed to be able to double team. And that, I mean, we haven't seen that from Carolina in a long, long time. But, I mean, this, this offense just has to figure something. Jay Billis said it last night early in the broadcast because it was evident then. There, there is no backdoor action at all for Carolina. There are no secondary screens that are ever set. It is one screen and go for the guards. And right now, nothing is nothing is going. The shots are not going in. These guys are not going to the basket enough. Like, here's my thing. Last night, look at how often you got to the foul line. But there were times where you should have tried to take the ball to the basket and you settled. I just, it it is, uh, frustrating is as good of a word as you can use for what is happening right now. Because it's clear that this team has what it takes to be a really good basketball team. You've got got injuries to Armando Baycott that are slowing things, and you've got guards right now that are just not doing what they need to for you offensively. You haven't gotten blown out in any of these games. All of them have been fairly winnable. Last night probably felt like the one that was the least winnable because it felt like Indiana was in control the entire way. But you still, I, I was, I was with you. I thought when they had that, when they had the ball down fifty-nine to fifty-two, I thought, okay, here we go. This team has a chance to still win this game, and that turnover killed everything and that's the other big thing last night the turnovers we talked about it the other day we've talked about it a couple of times already this season the fact that you're turning the ball over is frustrating enough but the fact that they are live ball turnovers last night it absolutely killed you it killed any momentum that you were trying to build over and over again And this team just cannot stop turning the ball over. Let's take a look at the box score brought to you by DraftKings. Carolina shot just 34%, 20 of 59 from the field. 
Um, compared to Indiana, they were 50% and even 31 of 62. Carolina shot just 5 of 18 from behind the three-point line. That's 28%, right around their season average. Uh, Indiana, meanwhile, they were 3 of 13 for 23%. As you mentioned, Carolina got to the foul line 27 times, but only made 20 of them. That 74 percentile has got to be better. Um, you you got to be making 23, 24 of the freebies. Meanwhile, Indiana was just 12 of 18, 67%. Uh, Carolina did commit 10 turnovers, which got turned into 17 points. Indiana committed eight turnovers, and Carolina only turned those into four points. The Heels did lose the rebounding margin 42-39, but they did grab 12 offensive rebounds and, and convert those into second chance points, where they outscored Indiana 14-6. Bench points 18-14, Indiana. Points in the paint 50-24, Indiana. Fast break points twelve to five Indiana block six to three Indiana steal seven to four Indiana and assists thirteen to five Indiana and this this is the one thing about this box score is if you go back and you look at the the Iowa State box score and you look at the Alabama box score you could really see a path to Carolina having won the game it wouldn't have been overly shocking. That one did that, that that didn't exist in this game. Yeah, not so much. Car- Carolina got got physically beat in, in, in every single category, and that was a big reason why they they lost the game. Let's transition now to Hubert Davis and his his quote of the game because Hubert is still very upbeat and positive. Um, we we learned that last year. That's just that is who he is. You can tell that he's frustrated and he's disappointed within his team, um, which is very evident. But we talked about that moment when it was fifty nine to fifty two, and even the head coach agrees with us. That was the most important uh, part of the ball game. You guys were down fifty nine to fifty two. Had the ball. We had the ball, and somebody tipped it. Got tipped in, and they scored. Was that the biggest then we of all? Came, uh, that was the biggest of all of them. And then we came down, shot a contested two. I think they got the rebound, went in, and then it was eleven. We were right there. I was in the timeout, and I told them that uh, at the next timeout, let's at worst have it a two-possession game. We were right there. Something else uncharacteristic for us, I mean, we we got to the free throw line 27 times, but, I mean, we're a pretty good free throw shooting team. We, lost, we missed seven. And so the pick six turnovers, you know, not shooting the ball like we usually do from the free throw line, it's a one- or two-possession game. I mean, it just didn't happen tonight. And I I think this this is something where we 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 took it for granted the first four or five games because Carolina was closing games out they were finishing games, but they were against lesser competition. They've now played three straight NCAA tournament type of teams, um, in Iowa State, Alabama, and Indiana, and they've lost all of them. And you look at the Iowa State and the and, and the Alabama losses, you blew leads at the under four minute timeout. One of eight point or one of seven points and one of four points. This one, you didn't have a lead to blow, but Indiana had given you a chance to to win the game. For as well as Indiana played, the game was still there for the taking, despite the way Carolina shot the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the most frustrating thing that Huber Davis said it right there was I told them let's have it down to a two possession game by the under four minute timeout. 
because usually in those types of games and situations, the home team's going to choke the game away because because they would have felt like they should have already won the game. And and so Carolina had a chance, and R.J. Davis turned the ball over in a live ball situation. Indiana goes down and runs the other way. Um, but, but since we're talking about Hubert, I don't really know what else we want from him right now because I it's it's not that I don't think he's trying. I I think he's trying. He played Seth Trimble nine minutes. He paid he played Demarco Dunn seventeen minutes. Puff Johnson played. 14 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I, I got people in my mentions and, and tweeting at me or commenting on the articles on Facebook. He needs to play the, the, the bench guys more. Well, guys, he he, he is. What? He's 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 giving he's giving the guys right now he trusts a chance to be on the court. I'm with you. Do I want to see Dontres Styles on the floor? Yes. But he must There's a reason why there he's must not be playing. doing something in practice yes. to where he hasn't earned his way onto the court. And look, I know I was the guy that fired Hubert Davis in January last season. Yeah, that happened. Not not doing that again. Cause I don't think I mean, look, is he is he part of the problem? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but well, you got to take ownership as the head coach, right? But, but yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't see this being a a poor reflection, or this is just you know derivative of this being a Hubert Davis coach team because guys, this happened under Roy Williams as well. Yeah, and so and look, a part of it is this is just a part of Carolina basketball in November. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That because you see other elite programs, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Indiana, UCLA, so on and so forth, not go through these type of growing pains. But how the, much success do some of those have? They they got similar success to Carolina though when it comes to the NCAA tournament. I mean, Kansas recent, just won a national championship. Yeah, I mean that's the one that you would say. Can't Kansas? When you talk about the most consistent overall basketball programs. From start of the season all the way to the end of the season, it's usually it's Kansas. That's a team that always seems to be, and they, look, they play tough opponents too. It's not like they're playing crap. But you're right, Carolina is a team that has put. I mean, they play the schedule they do for a reason. Mm-hmm. It is to build them up for March. And look, I, I'm not look I, as I said, I'm not the guy that is going to sit here. And look at every game as well. As long as we're playing our best basketball by March, I'm okay with that. No, there, there's, there's reasons to be angry about what is happening. You, you need to look at these games and and you need to say, hey, certain things have to change. No doubt about it. That's how that that that's just what we're here for, and that's how we watch the game. But yeah, at the, I mean, we won't remember this streak if this team goes on to win a national championship because we'll say. This is how Carolina learns to build themselves up. And Hubert Davis, I mean, I I just, how in the world are there people that are overly critical of this dude? I mean, God, I almost almost literally just dropped a curse word in there too. How are you, this dude literally took you to the national final in his first year as a head coach. Do you know how unprecedented that is? Like, that is unheard of. And he did it. Talk, you're speaking about a guy that had to follow 
one of, if not, I mean, he may be the greatest coach in Carolina history. That's the debate that ultimately will light this podcast. That's that's the debate that will shut down this podcast. When we want to just burn something down, that's the debate that we're going to have. But you're, you're talking about a guy that could arguably be, I mean, Dickie V, who's one of the most respected college basketball guys, has him on his Mount Rushmore. He had to follow that dude, and in his first year was, as the team said, a box out away from winning a national title. Does he not deserve at least a little bit of a benefit of the doubt here? Like, dude, I want to see him do some things differently on the offensive end of the floor. There's no doubt about that. Let's get a little more creative. But, I mean, I just, there's there's only so much that he can do. It's very obvious that there are things, there is no way that the way that these guards are playing right now even just holding on to the ball, not moving it at all, guys standing around. There is no way that that is what he is planning every time. There's no way he's saying, yeah, that's exactly what I'm hoping for. Just shots aren't going down. No, I don't think that's it. Shots not falling is definitely part of it, and that's an execution thing. But, yeah, then the team, the the, the way they're turning the ball over. He said it last night in that in, in the clip we just played. Pick six turnovers hurt this team badly. Like it's it's guys, it's it's not hard to see that the execution on the floor right now is poor. And for the people that are saying to play somebody off the bench, who the hell are you playing off this bench right now? Because what are you trying to add to this team? Better defensive play? I, I'm not really concerned about that part right now. I I, I mean I think that they. They have some areas they could improve. I want to find a way to score the damn basketball. And who off the bench is scoring the ball? They don't give Puff the chance to score the ball. Not an offensive player. DeMarco Dunn ain't scoring the ball. He's not an offensive player. And Seth Trimble, man, I've seen some really good things from him on the defensive end of the floor. But things are a little fast for him on the offensive end. So who is this Who is this great player that is coming off the bench and is just going to light it up for you guys. Like, that's my thing. They're, they can't really play anybody else because nobody else is helping them to score the basketball right now. The stat of the game is is a pretty glaring one. Uh, it's points in the paint. Carolina, they, they, they didn't just get outscored points in the paint. They got doubled up, 50-24. to 24. Um and that was with the last eight points of Indiana's not coming from inside the paint. There was a point in the game where 50 of 69 points of Indiana's offense came inside the painted area. And that's that's just too much. Um, and we're going to talk about that when we come back. Uh, we're going to get you this message from DraftKings. And when we come back, more thoughts and takeaways from Carolina's 77-65 to defeat at Indiana. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. So whether you're betting on just a straight up win, or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound uh, rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have, you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a five dollar pregame money line bet on any on on any NBA team to win their game and get a one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys have taken great advantage of all good offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. We're going to go back to the offense here where, where Carolina's half-court offense and their shot selection was the biggest issue once again last night. And, and, and you know, like, like I said earlier in the show, you got to credit you got to credit Indiana. Their ability to, to guard the ball 35, 40 feet away from the basket, um, and even with even with committing fouls, just not being discouraged and continuing to do that was was really impressive. But but Carolina's got to start moving the ball, and it's something that you know if you watch Indiana, their ball movement last night was impeccable. They made Carolina move their feet. They they moved Carolina from side to side, and, and they got them moving horse you know laterally, horizontally, every which way, and that created open look after open look, driving lane after driving lane, and. You know, Hubert Davis said in the post game that one of the biggest reasons why they're excited to to get back home is for a chance to really practice and evaluate some film, because of the way they the, the schedule fell in Portland, they didn't really practice after they got out there. They just played three games and they got on a plane and and, and flew to Indiana, had a basically a shoot around and played another game, and so I think it's something when they start breaking down the film. They, they got to start seeing what other teams are doing as a way to help them. I, I always say that the ball has energy, and, and with that, you got to move it, and the, and, and the, the your offense will find you. And, and, and right now, Carolina's got to let the offense find them. Every shot they're taking is forced. Every shot they're taking is contested or it's rushed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't – I mean, outside of R.J. Davis – I don't know how many good shots they took last night. Most of his shots were in his repertoire. They were in rhythm of, of, of for him and rhythm of the offense. They're just not falling for him right now. And at some point, that tide's going to turn because he's too good of a shooter to be shooting in the 30 percentile like he is right now. But this is something where, you know, 
the, the, the experience of the staff, having a guy like Pat Zelvin who was in the NBA for all those years, Jeff Lebo, who was the head coach for all those years, Brad Frederick, who was Roy who was on Roy Williams' staff for all those years. This is where they've got to start providing some stuff in practice because Carolina's got the talent to be a very good offensive team. They're never going to be the most efficient because of the way our guards play. We know that. But they have the ability to score and score the ball frequently, but that's not going to happen until their shot selection improves and that won't improve until they start playing team-oriented offense. Well, the I, I mean, you have to involve five guys on that end. Of the, you have to make it to where there is at least some sort of threat from the guys that are on the floor. This cannot be a two-man for right now. Eventually, if he gets healthy, which who knows how that's going to work out throughout this season, a third guy in Armando Baycott. And look, Pete Nance... You you got to step up, man. It's just that simple. You were brought in here for a reason. And there, like I said, if you're Dawson Garcia, there is no Brady Manic behind you right now. So you have to step up. You don't have to be what Brady Manic was. That's asking a lot. But you have to be a guy that people see as a consistent threat on the offensive end of the floor. That's the frustrating part with him is we've seen some flashes from him where he's looked really, really good. He's had some a couple of games where he's had great halves, and then just it, it kind of disappears. You need him to be a cons- a more consistent threat. And I, I, I thought what Jay Billis said last night was spot on. Where is the backdoor action from this team? Guys cutting to the basket. You need that to appear at some point instead of, Get the ball into the post. Everybody's just standing around. Can we move without the basketball to try to create an open look from somebody else cutting to the basket instead of just expecting Armando to outmuscle somebody or find a way to finish a tough shot? Because, look, one of the things that we've talked about with Armando, even before the injury issues, Armando's a guy that has struggled to finish through contact throughout his entire career. And right now, injuries aren't helping it, but hes it's the same thing. So you have to be able to get your – I mean, give him some help. Get to the basket. Just my thing, when you get across half court, the amount of times that the dude that crosses half court with the ball remains with the ball in his possession the entire time – it's just, it is mind-blowing to me. Carolina has always been a team that shares the ball extremely well. It's faded a little bit in recent years, but never to this point. Yeah, because right now they're dead last in a cent or in a cis percentage of made field goals. I mean, what in the actual hell are we watching? Like, that, that, is, un, that is unheard of. Like, we, we are used, and, and I get it, not everything's going to be like Kendall Marshall. But, I mean, my God, you're talking about this team wasn't even this bad with Cole Anthony running the point in terms of assists. And Cole Anthony was a dude that we talked about so much. He's an NBA player because he runs so much one-on-one offense. He's a guy that doesn't share the ball well. And these guys right now who shared it well last year are not sharing the ball well right now. That, you've got to move the ball because if you can find a way – 
like you said, when I'm when a, an offense is in motion, it's going to open everything up. Well, this is another. This is an adjustment that Hubert Davis has to make. Yes, you, yes. You've got to put the ball in Leaky Black's hand. His his assist percentage right now is less than half than what his worst percentage was in his career, which was fourteen point two percent. The dude just ain't touching the ball. It's like, it's it's down it's to five point seven percent. And so, I do I think he's an effective screener? Absolutely not. So I don't mind not using him as a screener to get other guys open. But the dude's 6'9". He's got a wingspan that's taller than I am. So he he can be utilized as a passer. The thing about Caleb Love and R.J. Davis is that sometimes they're at their best offensively when they are the secondary members in the offense. They're not the one initiating the offense. And so I think something that Huber Davis has got to start doing is if you let them bring the ball up, that's fine and cool. But once you get into your action, once you get into what you're trying to accomplish on that end of the court with your screening and stuff like that, put that ball in Leaky Black's hands. Let those other guys just try to create some some rhythm on their own get them to where they're just having to basically catch and shoot or catch and drive as opposed to dribble and try to create, that'll make the game a lot easier for them. Another thing that would help is if, and look, Carolina only committed 10 turnovers. That the, the 10 turnovers weren't the problem last night. Outside of the fact that your starters committed 8 of eight of the 10. That's an issue. It was, as Huber Davis calls them, Pick six turnovers. They had four live ball turnovers that, that resulted in layups or dunks the other way. And in 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 that building with that crowd, those the, the those things count for more than just two points because the crowd goes crazy, they get energized, and this is something that they continue to struggle with because the ball isn't moving. It was so much easier for Indiana to double team because they knew Carolina wasn't going to move the ball. Mm-hmm. They knew that whoever was dribbling the ball up the court was going to contribute, continue to dribble it into the the into the floor until it, they 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 wore they wore a hole into it. And so, you know, it's again I'm not mad at at ten turnovers. I'll live with that. But seventeen points off of turnovers, that's too much. And conversely. You're not forcing turnovers. And this is something where um, Carolina has got to reevaluate their defensive principles when double teaming the ball when it goes into the post. Because if you're going to double team and you're going to have your guard slip down, which again, I'm fine with, you've got to fully commit to that double team. Seth Trimble, DeMarco Dunn, there were three times they were there. And and they were there physically. They, they were there like, but they weren't there because they didn't. They didn't double the ball. They well, didn't the trap guard, the ball. The guard position, the the positioning of Trimble and Dunn at times were just was mind blowing. They and, were in the area. Technically, it's a double, but you're like, why are they? Why are they where they're at? And so, um, I would much rather them commit a foul and get in foul trouble, double teaming too aggressively then double-teaming the ball when it goes into the post, but you're not taking away the passing lane back out to the perimeter, and then you're asking that guard to cover 10, 15 feet to an open shooter. Shooting's too good these days. 
especially when you're playing a school like Indiana that's got the talent that they got. Those kids are going to make those shots more often than not. Mm -hmm. And this was something that Jay Billis also mentioned last night on the broadcast, and we're really mentioning him a lot because he really broadcasted his tail off last night. He's kind of good at what he does. Don't know if people know Um, it. It, it, last night, Carolina had been more effective doubling post to post as opposed to having their guard slip down and 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 and, and try to be the double team to take away the pass. Um, because like Dan Schulman asked him, well, when Trimble, Dunn, whoever sleeps down, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to rotate? And he said, no, there's nothing you can do because you're not taking away the passing lane. Rotating is not going to to solve anything. And so Carolina's got to get more aggressive on that end of the court um, because right now they've, they've got to find ways to generate easy offense. The best way to do that is to force turnovers, get out in the fast break, and and score that way. It's not happening. You scored five fast break points all last Gosh. night. Um, I mean, Indiana only scored 12, but most of them were off those live ball turnovers that they were going down and dunking the last way. This brings us now to Carolina's interior defense, which – hasn't been a problem until last night and look trace jackson davis last night was the best player on the floor yeah he ain't bad um there's a reason why he was a preseason big 10 eight you know first teamer player of the year all american virtually every accolade that armando baycott in the acc got he got over there in the big 10 and he showed why 9 of 16 21 points but but Carolina allowed Xavier Johnson, who's a really good guard, he's a tough guard, to get into the lane and shoot uncontested shots. Same thing with Galloway, where they would beat Carolina off the dribble. Carolina would recover, get to the spot, but then when they were going to shoot the ball, Carolina just simply didn't contest said shot. And I think that's the most frustrating thing because those shots, first off, aren't efficient. Uh, analytic nerds will tell you that's not a smart shot to take. Well, when you're letting them take it and not and not defend it, well, they're going to make them more often than not. And Carolina's got to find a way to defend better on the interior because their three-point defense last night was exceptional. They, they forced Indiana into 23% shooting. They contested those shots. Well, they didn't contest inside the perimeter, and that's why Indiana just got kept going and going, and that's why they scored 50 of their 77 points inside the paint. Well, the simple thing is stop the ball up top. Indiana was doing it to you, and you saw how difficult it made everything offensively. That was a problem a year ago. We, I said it coming out of the Phil Knight Invitational. They struggled to stop the ball. And last night, as you said, they did a good job of recovering, but if if you just if you can stay in front of the ball to begin with, then these breakdowns are not going to happen. To be honest with you, in terms of the big man inside with, with Trace Jackson Davis, I don't really know how angry you can be at this point. I, I mean, I get it. You really want Carolina to be better there defensively, but Armando's banged up. And that's clearly, I mean, it's affecting them on the offensive end, so clearly it's affecting them on the defensive end. And, I, I mean, Pete Nance just, he ain't that dude inside. That, that that He he is not going to be able to do anything matched up against physical bigs. That, that physicality is not something that is there for Pete Nance right now. 
and that's when he's rebounding against guards or or wing players. So well, and, and I think that's the most I, you know, frustrating thing because individually as a defender, he can guard one through four. Yep. I don't have a problem whenever they switch a ball screen and he's taken on the guard because he, he can guard it. But that that the lack of toughness he displays is is something that's mind boggling because he played at Northwestern. He played in a conference that is as physical as the ACC is if not more physical, and he was posting, you know, double-doubles on a pretty consistent basis at Northwestern. And and so that was the one thing Brady Bannett could hang his hat on was that his physicality was how he made, you know, is how he made his living as a defender because he was slow-footed. He didn't have this great athletic build, but he had ability to be physical with his body, to get rebounds, to alter shots. And right now that doesn't exist for Pete Nance. And and it doesn't exist for anybody really besides Armando. Nope. Like like you don't like I, I love Puff, man. He's he's a he's a scrapper on the defensive boards, but if you post him up, he there's nothing he can really do for you. And Will Shaver, do Will Shaver just ain't ready. Like it's just that simple. You you want that's the thing that's frustrating. But what you have to learn as a Toriel fan right now is that this is what to you should expect from a Hubert Davis team moving forward. Now, preferably, you would like to have a guy behind Armando at the five that can handle physicality, that can be that 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 backup big that Carolina really is lacking right now. But in terms of the other guys, you would like to see them play with more physicality. But we've said it. His ideal way of playing basketball is four around one. So you have to get used to that. Your five-man has to be extremely physical, and right now they just don't have that. And it's on the offensive end, too. He let off his press conference by talking about that. He said, look, they have a guy that is physical on both ends of the floor as a big man that can get any shot he wants and can make it. Right now we don't have that. And, I mean, that's extremely telling. Now part of that, again, because the injury – but the other part of it is that even before that, I think he probably would have said the same thing earlier in the season. That's he's he and he's being brutally honest about that right now. So that that's an area that if they want to take that away, that's fine. You got to get healthy, and I mean, look, I know it ain't a strong suit right now, but you you need you need Pete Nance to start showing just some sort of toughness on the defensive end of the floor. It's got to it's got to start showing up. Well, this is why when they missed out on Matthew Mayer who's at Illinois now, you got Kevin McCuller who's at Kansas, Kevin O'Banner like those type of guys. That was why I was so heavily interested in them. And you basically had to go get Pete Nance because Will Shaver isn't ready. And Jalen Washington, who everybody is asking about because Sheever Davis was hoping to have him ready for the PK-85 Phil Knight Invitational, isn't ready. And even when he is ready, I would say best case scenario, he'll be ready for Georgia Tech, which is next Saturday. If we're if he didn't play last night, I don't see them really pushing the envelope this weekend. They have a whole week off next week to get him ready. Even when he comes back, we've got to, you know, temper expectations and not expect the world from a guy who's going to be a true freshman playing major division one college basketball oh by the way coming off a pretty significant knee injury um that, that he will still be working his way back from he's and, also six nine 
guys, and what's the thing that we heard from Hubert Davis when he talked about him in the offseason? He's probably the best shooting big that I've seen. Dude's, dude's a stretch four. I mean, I don't know how much to expect from him as a rebounder. He can probably give you something, but if you're thinking this dude's going to come in here and, you know, be the next Isaiah Hicks or, you know, Kennedy Me, like, you're just, you're. this isn't a guy that's going to come in and all of a sudden you're going to be back to playing Roy Williams' too big basketball. It's just not going to happen. Nope, it's not. And, uh, you know, this 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 team, I... The best thing about them is that they're not they're not panicking, um, which is a good thing because if if they were to hit the print the panic button, this thing can 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 go sideways, and this season could be lost before the start of ACC play. And mm-hmm. you know the, the biggest thing is that they're there's still enough internal confidence they're going to get the ship righted. Although the schedule doesn't get any easier, they do go to Blacksburg on Sunday afternoon. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. We do encourage you guys, though, to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we got you ready and had you covered all things Carolina and Indiana in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We'll be getting you ready for this weekend's matchup with Virginia Tech on Sunday afternoon as I continue to take you through the basketball season. Football is is in Charlotte this weekend against Clemson for the ACC title game. Anthony will be getting you ready for that. We'll have all the postgame coverage as well at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us by now. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and we will pop up where we encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. Uh, we, we're, we're getting some new reviews in there, and we're greatly appreciative of that. But most importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any additions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.